0: Word. It's Perk. Ready for another round of Perk It Pod. We do it every week. Tell your friends. Tell your step cousins. Tell your kettlebell coach. We are getting closer to the Summer Olympic Games. You know those ones that were supposed to happen last year. But duh, pandemic. Well, they're cranking them up again this summer in Tokyo, Japan. At least they're hoping to. And this week's guest has a really good shot of competing in them. His name is Shane Whiskus, and we'll hear from him
1: in a bit. Perk and Pine. Sometimes he's at play. Perk and Pine. Find out what he'll say. Perk and Pine. Who's coming on today? Ooh, 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 ooh. Perk and yeah,
0: yeah. Before we get to our Olympic hopeful, we hit our usual detour Random Ranks. This time on Random Ranks, we are ranking the top 11 sports that actually once were in the Olympics, but for whatever reason were eventually scrapped. Here now, the top 11 Olympic sports no longer. Number 11, live pigeon shooting. <laughs> I, something tells me PETA would have an issue with this these days. Um, number 10, croquet. It was actually the first women's sport in the Olympics. Number 9, one-handed weightlifting. I, I don't even think I could one-hand weightlift a pigeon. Frankly. Okay, number 8, tug-of-war. This was big. This was big back in I would love to see this back in the mix. Number seven, underwater swimming. Back when they did this, the, the technology, the cameras, you know, uh, they didn't really have that sort of underwater GoPro situation going on. Number six, rope climbing. This, this lasted a few different Olympics, but you couldn't use your legs or your feet. You could only use your hands, and I would imagine the rope burn was insane. Number five, horse long jumping. This was part of equestrian where they would just send the horses. I don't know, but there were people on the horses. So, so. anyway. Number four, motorboat racing. <laughs> All right. Number three, solo synchronized swimming. Somehow, this was an Olympic sport. Synchronized swimming, I get. I've done it actually. It's really hard. It takes amazing coordination and choreography. But, like, how do you synchronize if you're solo? I don't know. Number two, club swinging. <laughs> it's not like going to the Studio 54. It's not like that. It's, it's, uh, it is just swinging clubs. It was like sort of an artistry kind of thing. Not juggling. Just You're just swinging and kind of moving. I don't know. It sounds like a TikTok dance. Number one, obstacle swimming. This was a, an Olympic sport back in the day. this sounds awesome, right? Uh, you, you swam underwater tram over water You swam under boats, you swam, like, climbed up poles, you, I don't know, I think cannonballs were shooting at you, I don't even know, but obstacle swimming was a thing. Okay, now to this week's guest, who competes in a sport that is one of the marquee competitions of an Olympic game, still, gymnastics. Although the funding for men's gymnastics has clearly fallen off in recent years, still, Whiskus, the former Mound Westonka Whitehawk, then went on to the Gophers where he won the NCAA Championships recently and still rings, and parallel bars, yeah, Shane Whiskus is a great advocate for his sport and now gets ready for the U.S. Nationals, which are next week, and the Olympic trials after that, where Whiskus hopes to eventually be selected onto Team USA to compete in those Tokyo Games. Here now, my conversation with Shane Whiskus. Thanks for joining us at your place in Colorado Springs, where you are getting ready for all sorts of stuff. Um, it, 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 how crazy is your
2: life right now? Yeah, Eric, I just, thanks for having me. Um, the, the, the next couple months is about to get really quick. Um, things are about to speed up. Um, in uh, about four weeks, we head out for U.S. championships. And uh, at U.S. championships, in order to qualify to Olympic trials, you have to make the senior national team two weeks after U S championships is the Olympic trials. And then they select the team on the spot. So, so yeah, it's all coming down to this. And um, yeah, I actually had a countdown going on last year before COVID hit. And um, it's crazy that we're, we're already back. It's, it's just as close as it was last year when I had to reset it and uh, it's, it's starting to feel real. So it feels good.
0: I think a lot of Olympic hopefuls had to kind of reshift just everything around, because like you said, yeah. there was a timeline for everything you wanted to do, how you wanted to hit, the, you know, the peaks that you needed to hit. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, no Olympics in 2020. All right, well, let's you know recalibrate. Right. I mean,
2: that's kind of the way it was. Yeah. No, it, it was definitely a shock to the system. And on top of that, I had the NCAA season that was canceled. And uh, on top of that, also our program getting cut. So it was a, it was a doozy of a, of a spring last year going on through summer. And it was kind of hard to get back into things. But once we started getting back into the gym at the university, and then I moved out here to Colorado Springs, things start, started to find it's, it's, uh, or I got back into a routine and that was really important. And and now it kind of feels like everything is right where it needs to be again.
0: Fantastic, and, and that sounds like we do have a lot to kind of unpack here because you do yeah, have so much going on. But that's it, yeah, in a year. Um, I guess go to the start if you would, Shane. Like, you know, where did you you grew up? Kind of in the West Metro, and and yep. uh, and just started doing gymnastics, right? Your parents put you. What gym was it?
2: Yeah, so I started at North Shore. Yeah. I actually think you had your son there because uh, we were. Pra- I remember practices. You'd come in to pick him up, and I'm like, Oh, it's Eric Perkins. Uh, but yeah, so, so I started out at North shore and, um, as time went on, I, I, I kind of was looking for an older group to train with. Um, it was only a handful of us there. So I moved on to, uh, mini hops gymnastics. It's in Plymouth. And, uh, I trained there throughout my high school career and then committed to the university of Minnesota, stayed in, stayed in my hometown, um, trained there for a couple of years. And then here I am at OTC, but, Yeah, I got into gymnastics at a very young age, like most people do, uh, around four years old and um, started out with mommy and me classes. I think I was my mom was recommended to put me in gymnastics, not just because of my my short stature, but also uh, my mom was a gymnast. And one of our neighbors was also had a had a grandson in gymnastics. So she highly recommended it. I went in for classes and I think less than a year later, I was put on the team. Uh, my mom was approached by their team, uh, director at that point, whose name was Dale Boulevard. Yeah, sure. And, uh, he, he, uh, he tried to get, or he got me onto the team and then that's kind of when you start going in, you know, four or five times a week and things start to get a little more serious. And on top of that, I was still doing all the, all the more normal sports that kids do with, at a young age, like soccer, baseball, I did some football when I was super, super young, some basketball when I was really young, just trying to figure out what I liked the most, you know? And um, yeah, just slowly but surely, I started dropping one sport after another, starting to narrow my focus. And uh, I actually did baseball up until I was about 12 years old and then soccer up until, I want to say 14 or 15. I, I think um, I was around eighth grade uh, when I stopped doing, doing soccer. So that's kind of when... My, my focus went 100% to gymnastics. And um, yeah, just over the years, uh, it, one thing leads to the next. And you watch the Olympic Games, and that's always a huge inspiration. But then the thing that makes it real is when you start to do better and you start to realize that you're on a path in the right direction. And for me, that started out with making the Future Stars National Team, which is a developmental group. And, uh, it's about, it, it's the, basically the senior national team, but for eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year olds. Okay. So it, it was kind of the first time that I was recognized as a, you know, top upcoming junior. And then, you know, after that you start doing, uh, you know, bigger routines and you, you make the, the junior Olympic national team, uh, when you're you know, 12, all the way up to senior year in high school. And then my first year at the University of Minnesota, I made the senior national team. And it just kind of feels like I've been on this path. And it, it, it feels good that I'm finally at the point where I have the opportunity to make my lifelong dream come true. All right, we've got more with Shane Wiskus when we return. But first,
0: a great partner of the Perkett Pod podcast. It is Mike Bryant in the studio with me right now from Bradshaw Bryant. How are things going? You've been a busy man lately.
1: It's been lots been
0: going on. Uh, and, and a lot of TV appearances as well. I mean, you've been really kind of getting the word out um, in a lot of ways, but also really just lending your expertise to so many people because you're you a pretty bright guy.
1: Well, people have a lot of questions. And it's, it's like when a client calls, you want to make sure you get them the right information so that they can make the right decision on what they want to do. And that's justice for the injured is basically the tagline, right? You believe wholeheartedly in that. Absolutely. You want to make sure they understand their rights. You want to make sure that they understand what coverages they have. And you want to make sure they get protected as best they can.
0: And what I like about you and and the way you present yourself uh, publicly is you really genuinely, I get the sense that you love your job.
1: Yeah, usually, (laughs) you know, like anything else, like anything,
0: right? (laughs) No, but I mean, there's a deep passion within you to to, to help people.
1: Well, you want to be able to give them the answers that they need. People are looking for help. They're looking for expertise. They're looking for the right answers as best you can. You want to try to give them that if you can.
0: And so what? If, if somebody is injured or somebody does need help, what do they do?
1: They call our office. They check the website. Minnesota Personal Injury.com or they call 800-770-7008.
0: Mike Bryant, thanks so much for being a partner at Perk Pod.
1: Perk and Pod.
0: We talk about like those early days at North Shore Gymnastics, which is in Maple Plain, Minnesota, by the way, uh, for those of you that don't know. And they do really have a, a great program in place there. But like were you kind of one of these kids that was bouncing off the walls early on? Like, you know, what I'm saying your mom put you in gymnastics. Obviously, she had some experience with gymnastics, but like was. Was it something you took to like just the uh, kind of the, the body awareness and the acrobatic kind of aspect of everything? Were you just feeling it from an early, early age?
2: Oh, definitely. I So there's actually a picture when I was like, I don't know, two or three years old, but I had my, my baby blanket wrapped around my neck like a, a cape. And there's a picture of me jumping from one couch to the other couch. And I'm like midair. And I'm like, man, I was just like, hyperactive child bouncing from couch to couch like I don't know how my parents did it but yeah I, I actually remember learning a handstand and like I would kick up and I wouldn't actually get to a handstand but I would just like walk with my hands as fast as I could so I would travel but then eventually fall down so but that was so exciting for me and that was one of my like first uh, memories of gymnastics and, you know, getting to that point, I was like, Oh, I'm like walking on my hands. This is so awesome. And then you start learning things like a standing backflip. And then that, you know, sparks more interest. And you're like, man, if I can do this, what's next. And you right. just keep bringing it on. And the coaches at that age are just like trying to keep up with you. Cause you're, you're constantly wanting to, to keep going, seeing how far you could push your body. And I was fortunate enough to have a great coach at that age um, to kind of hold me back and make sure that I didn't get ahead of myself or, or injure myself at all.
0: Well, yeah, because you can. I mean, I, I, you know, once you start, you know, doing all the trampoline and tumble track and, and you start to really kind of like try things and push yeah. things and like take it to the next level and advance your skills. I mean, you, you have to have, you can't just be reckless about it, right? I mean, exactly. there are a lot of injuries in gymnastics. I mean, this is a sport that is like, it's a pretty brutal
2: sport. It really is. Yeah. No, I I've, I have i have been fortunate enough to knock on wood, but I've been fairly healthy throughout my career and yeah. um, I attribute a lot of that to uh, my coaches and making sure that, you know, things like ring strength is kind of a huge uh, strain on your shoulder ligaments. And uh, it's kind of an unavoidable injury towards the end of your career. Like right like now I have uh labral tears, rotator cuff tears, but you kind of make up for it with a, a lot of rehab, just making sure, uh, the surrounding tissue is really strong. So it, it stays stable, but you know, a lot of guys in, in high school push it a little too early and you know, they all their ligaments and, and muscles and bones are still developing. So when you're pushing uh, a really heavy ring strength, that's, it's kind of a, a very dangerous Avenue. And, um, like I said, I was fortunate enough to have coaches kind of hold me back a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've been fortunate up to this point. Um, but yeah, it is a brutal sport. There's a lot of nagging injuries, a lot of overuse injuries. I, I remember growing up, I had some stress reactions in my elbows and I would have, um, you know, wrist problems that would, that would kind of linger and nothing major, but it, there's just always something in gymnastics. Yeah. There's always a nagging back an ankle, wrist, shoulder. So yeah, it's a brutal sport
0: but you got to fight through and that's uh, that that's the other side then is is all the mental that goes into it and and just how strong you have to be uh, and disciplined to to what your what to what you know your body can do and and what your goals are right i mean it's just it's yeah, insane exactly. that the mental side of it too isn't it
2: oh yeah i mean i i've been seeing sports psychologists since i was about 12 years old um, pretty religiously up and up, even up until now i'm i'm seeing Um, sports psychologist on a weekly basis and um, I it actually kind of started with like when I was younger I used to be deathly afraid of the high bar not only because it was so high up but just because I was always scared of like missing a hand or like hitting my head or you know things that you uh, you would be scared of going up on that event and I I would have these mental blocks where I wouldn't let go of the bar in order to do a skill and I remember my first experience with a a sports psychologist is Robert Andrews He's down in Texas. He used to work with the senior national team. Um, but he really helped me kind of push past that and realize that like mind over body type thing, like the only reason that you're not letting go is because your mind's not letting you. So if you recognize that, then you can kind of almost trick yourself into thinking like you can do whatever you want. Like, if you want to let go of the bar, you just tell your, you just tell yourself to let go of the bar and it happens but it's, it's always a constant battle. Like you never get to a point where you're like, all right, I I don't need to talk to anyone anymore. I'm, I'm mentally strong enough. Like I got this and some people can, but for a lot of, a lot of people performance and being at your best in a very specific moment takes a lot of mental strength, mindfulness, um, and self-reflection. And I think just being with sports psychologists for as long as I've been it, I've really recognized the value of continuous work and it's always a, it's a journey. It's, it's a, a marathon, not a sprint.
0: When you were on that kind of junior national recognized level at whatever age you said, 10 to 12, something like that, was was that kind of a holy cow? Like this is real. This is, I I'm, you know, I'm on a track here, right? I yeah. mean, this is, this is the, if I want to get to that the ultimate pinnacle, like I'm, this is where I need to be and I'm here. Yeah. So this is now it's on. Like, was it, was there kind of like a revelationary part of that?
2: Yeah. I, I would actually say that, that, that first year that I made the, the future stars national team was kind of um, the most influential on my uh, Olympic dreams. Um, when I first made the team, actually, it was the year of the 2008 Olympic games. And I remember going to that, that competition, that meet, and you could, you could see the, the senior national team guys training in the background and, um, and then you watch the Olympics and you see them bring home a bronze medal for the team after having so much adversity. I think that year they, they lost two of their, uh, strongest competitors, Paul and Morgan Hom, and they had to bring in two alternates. And a lot of people were kind of thinking like, these guys don't have a chance, right? Like these guys, they got two alternates in there. They're, they're injured. Um Whatever may, uh, excuses were were made, but in the end of the day, they went to the games and they they competed lights out, they hit every routine that mattered, and they brought home a bronze medal. And that, as a, a developmental kid, I was like, I saw that, and I was in the position that I was of being a developed national or developmental national team and and that's really what kind of sparked it for me. And then after that, I started following all the, the senior athletes very closely watching them perfect their craft over the years, seeing how they handle certain situations and you go to camps and sometimes there's guys training there and you just get to watch and kind of take in all the the stuff that they're doing. And you almost take mental notes as you go, right? Like you always are, are looking at someone that's far beyond your skill level. And you're like, how can I get to that point? and and that was definitely a very inspiring moment in my career. Was, Absolutely. I mean that's yeah. that's the way yeah,
0: you have to have that kind of bar that you're aiming for and and the people that have achieved it, I, I would hope that you'd want to absorb that and sponge off off that in, in whatever capacity it is, even if it's just like, you know, stock watching them or whatever. Yeah. Uh but like do, were any of those athletes and those those olympians uh that were at that level did, did they ever you know kind of give you any kind of like hey keep it up man you're doing great or whatever or, or hey um, oh
2: yeah you know, yeah like was there any kind of thing. like support or kind of a just emotional validation if ever yeah i mean yeah well i remember in uh 2012 um one of the guys i'm training with right now actually his name is named sam makulik i don't know if you've ever heard of him but he is a two-time olympian uh six-time u.s national champ. he's kind of the top guy in the U S right now, the guy to beat. Um, but in 2012, after getting back from the Olympic games, he, he actually came to North shore and that was when I was still there. And, um, you know, he was coaching guys on each event and he, he gave speeches and motivational talks and in, uh, I can't remember what year it was, but there's this camp called like going. And uh, I remember there was a year where Paul Hom was coaching there and he was, very invested in the, in the in the kids there and making sure that they were motivated and um, you know given the right corrections and given proper guidance. And another year they had Raj Bobstar, who was a another 08 Olympian. And um, j- you know these guys are very invested into the the whole U S program. And men's gymnastics is such a small community; it's it's also very tight knit. So you know if you have like developmental teams, so you basically have like 15, 20 guys in the development teams, 15, 20 guys in the junior teams, and then another 15, 20 guys in the senior team. And that's like your U.S. uh, men's program, right? So it's a a very small, tight-knit group. And there's definitely a lot of uh, uh, motivation that comes um, from those top guys. Going to
0: take a quick break. We're going to have more with Shane Wiskus in just a bit. But first, I've got Sean Bernard here in the studio with me from Edina Realty. Such a great partner of Perkett Pod. Couldn't do it without you, Sean. How is the real estate business? I would imagine with winter over, it's jamming again.
1: It is. And, you know, it, it kind of jammed even at the end of winter. People are were really wanting to buy and sell. It, lately, it's been a lot of my friends whose parents are kind of moving on to that next chapter of their life. And I'm helping them sell mom and dad's home. So, you know, a lot of guys our age, I think we're not too far off, our parents are tending to downsize and kind of moving into that condo, that townhouse, that sort of thing. So... If you know somebody is looking to buy or sell, 612-859-2594. And I
0: also want to mention, you're actually helping out the the, the local music community as well with, with your work.
1: Yeah, I'm a huge sports fan, as you know, but I also uh, love seeing live music. And a lot of these artists and bands, it's been a really challenging year this year. So a portion of every sale on the buy side or the sell side uh, is going to a local artist or band of the choosing of the, the buyer or the seller. Sean Bernard of Diane Realty, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.
0: And if you're listening to this podcast and you love music, I got a great podcast for you to listen to. It's The Brian Oak Show. Give that a listen anywhere you find your podcasts.
1: Perk and pine.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is fantastic that it is tight-knit and that it's a... That's a community that recognizes one another. But on the flip side of that, it's also heartbreaking to a degree that the fact that that it is such a niche sport and that it has kind of like not dwindled, but it, but it, the, oh, it's dwindled. Know. OK, then then let's yeah. call it that, I guess. But like, you know, the fact that the numbers are are not anywhere where they used to be. And, and what do you attribute that to? And, and how how much does how disturbing is that? Because it is such a great sport
2: yeah i mean it's it's obviously heartbreaking for me because i you know i look at gymnastics like it's the hardest sport in the world right like i i do it every day and a lot of i mean everyone says that about the sport that they do but you know in, in my mind the the way that my brain has worked it's it's like the epitome of of athleticism it's the hardest sport in the world like for me watching gymnastics is like the coolest thing in the world and obviously not everyone feels that way, but I, I think I attribute, uh, you know, the decline of men's gymnastics mainly to, uh, the introduction of title IX that kind of took out a lot of collegiate opportunities for, for kids to keep going. And originally there was around 215, uh, men's collegiate gymnastics programs across the country. I think it was in like 1969 and then now there's only, you know, 10, 12 total. And even though Title IX is, is meant to do uh, great things for the women's side of sports and making sure that there's equal opportunity, there's an outlier, which is the fact that every college has a football team, which roster size is hundred people at least, right? So that off, there's no women's equivalent to that hundred size or that hundred man size roster, right? So then you have to cut a lot of the other men's sports in order to. To, to make sure title nine is, is, uh, being met and on the collegiate level. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's hard to blame it on one thing too. Like, I think it's just a culmination of a lot of different things. And obviously USAG hasn't been doing the greatest over the last couple of years either. Right. And that, you know, just kind of made it that much harder sponsorships. That was, we went like almost a full quad without having a sponsor wow. for apparel, for uniforms, any of that stuff. And it, like the U.S. Championships, which I'm going to in a couple of weeks, used to be called the the uh, PNG Championships. Procter and Gamble, uh, sure. Yeah. And the pre- previous it was, or uh, the previous sponsor was Visa, so it was the Visa Championships. And then there was the McDonald's Championships, Chevron Championships, and they used to have a team called Team Hilton, and they would pay the athletes a, a decent amount so that they could live, train, and compete. And most all of the senior national team guys were on that. So on top of the, the, the sum that you get every month for being on, on senior team, you had this, this extra added thing. So there was incentive to keep going. It wasn't, um, you know, you're like, obviously as an athlete, especially an Olympic athlete, you don't do what you do for the money, but you still got to have enough to survive and be able to pay rent, pay for medical expenses. And, all that other stuff. So with the loss of the sponsors and, um, you know, kind of the decline in, 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 in revenue streams, it's like, it's really made it hard for men's gym or for men's gymnasts to, you know, keep going and be able to justify continuing when they don't have any money to keep training. It's like, well, I have a college degree. I just finished out NCAAs. Do I use my college degree to go get a regular job or do I, keep going and see how far I can go with, with USAG. So there's a lot of less people or a lot less people continuing past college than there used to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, those numbers, I mean, that, that really is staggering when you put it that way, just like five decades ago or whatever, that there was you know, over 200 programs and now yeah. it's just, it's just a, a little more than a dozen. I mean, that's like, you know, some of these animals that are on the brink of extinction almost. It's yeah. just like, wow. The same thing. Um, yeah. It's just that it's so, it's so, so sad. And, and because it is, like you said, it's just such a great sport and, and, you know, I think the Olympics definitely helps the profile, uh, and 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 that's always a good thing. But you know, that's every one once every four years, or in this case, fifth year, right? Fifth year, yeah. Uh, but like you talk about the irony of of sort of like here you are competing at the highest level. You have the you know yeah opportunity if things you know fall in your favor to to represent our country at the at the u.s olymp uh, at the at the olympics the world's greatest athletic stage in 2021 in tokyo and and yet here you are competing at the u and all of a sudden they cut the program and i was just like this is the, the it's it made me mad like frankly frankly and and i understand all you know, all the takes around it and all the different opinions and all the different reasons and all the different t- excuses and all the different, you know, financial considerations and all that. But like, it just, the fact is <laughs> Shane Wiskus is about to compete in the Olympics and you're cutting him off at the knees here. This is like, I don't know. It was just like, I got a Fired up, and I, I, I remember, I like, I, t- I, just, you know, we, we, Dave Schwartz and myself were just like, hey, we got it, we got it, we got to call him, we got to see what's up. And yeah. like, anyway, you, you've just been such a, you've been, you've been really smart in the way you've kind of handled all this because it, it's, it is maddening, and I, I can, I can only imagine from your, your perspective how hard that was. Um, but, but I thought you've, you, you, you. Spoke very well to all of it, and and you're really such a good ambassador for for the U, but also your sport, and and it just, I I I I applaud you for the way you kind of approached it all because I I can't even imagine. But um, does it still make you mad what's happened there uh, with with Coach Burns and that and that program? Yeah,
2: I mean it's it's heartbreaking. I we finished out NCAA's and you know just getting. So this is actually kind of a a separate side story, but it leads into answering that question. Yeah. Um, So going into NCAAs, we were ranked 10th uh, in in the NCAA. And in order to make team finals, you have to get uh, top three in your session. There's two sessions. And there was kind of three major teams at play this year. There was uh, uh, OU, Stanford, and Michigan. And those were kind of the top dogs, almost untouchable for for mid to low group uh, teams. Uh, like, they could fall, you know, 10 times and still beat us. But at that meet, we were put in the session with Stanford and Michigan. So that means there was only one extra spot. And we were in the session with uh, Iowa, Penn State, Cal. And two weeks prior, Iowa and Penn State beat us at at the Big Ten championships. So in order to make day two, that that meant a lot for our program because we hadn't been there since my freshman year. And also that meant that there was another opportunity for us to compete together and represent Minnesota on our home turf. So going into that meet, we had a lot of pressure and miraculously, we got that third spot and made it to team finals, which was obviously an incredible feeling. But then after the meet is over, you kind of start to realize that it's, it's done. Like that is it. There's no more, no more cook call practices. There's no more, watching the Gophers compete at the pad. There's no, no more competing alongside your brothers and, um, you know, watching future programs succeed and push the envelope and continue to progress. And, uh, I was talking to some of my alumni from my freshman year and, and it's funny how they, how they reflect on the program, it's not funny. It's, uh, it's a lot different the way that they reflect on the program, because not only did they get to, to leave out or, to finish out their collegiate career, move on with their life. And, and they also got to watch as following programs tried to continue to push the envelope and get better and succeed. And one thing that I kind of realized is that I won't have a program to look after. I won't have a program to, to, to root for in the coming years, you know? And that's that's one of the most devastating aspects. And, and seeing, you know, the freshman talent that came in this year and, mm. and realizing that, Man, that that's the only NCAA's this kid is gonna get. Like that's it, and it, it breaks your heart because there's there's these guys on your team that you you train with twenty plus hours a week, and you see the work that they put in, and to only get a portion of what was promised when they committed to the university, it, it's just heart wrenching. You know, yeah. it's it's heartbreaking.
0: Still resentment, Shane, or, or like, h- how are you residing in that? Or you just not have time for that because you got too many other fish to fry right now. But, but like, I, I, you know, I know you guys got a big kind of profile on 60 minutes, which was huge national exposure yeah. for, for the plight that the program was under Um, that, that, that was interesting to see all that, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was really cool to see how they put the whole story together. And uh, that I think that the, the athlete that, um, was an alumni of the uh, asu she shed a lot of light on kind of the dynamic and behind the scenes type of stuff that's going on with all of this and it was really interesting to hear about that so i'm glad the story was was good and and i think all the different perspectives really made the story come to life so.
0: did you, a lot of people come up say things to you afterwards um yeah. in support
2: yeah, a lot of people showed their support, reaching out on social media, giving me phone calls, that type of stuff. Um, but to go back to what you said previously, it it is very. I mean, it is still very uh, raw. Definitely a raw spot, you know. Like you, you don't really like to think about it. It still it still hurts to think about. But you are very right. And right now is is kind of go time, and don't really have a whole lot of extra energy to to leave on, um, such a negative thing, uh, something that brings up so many negative emotions, you kind of just have to put your blinders on, focus on what's ahead and kind of, you know, unfortunately leave that stuff behind. But in, you know, the, the few minutes that I, that I do interviews about it and talking to you about it, it is, you know, it is very heart wrenching.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, then let's focus on the positives because there are so many. And that's yeah. is U.S. Nationals and then it's Olympic trials, hopefully. And then and then Olympics in Tokyo, even more, hopefully um, your your chances. How do you see them? And, and I just looking from the outside and seeing where you've been on the podiums um, in past championships in recent years and in recent competitions, I would think that if, if you're able to do what you can do, you should be there, right? And you should make it. And, and this should all work out in your favor. Obviously, a lot of variables, but, but you're on a good track and you're definitely of that caliber, right?
2: Right. Yeah, I think I'm definitely on the right track. And, um, you know, it is gymnastics and anything can happen. So the only thing that I, I just need to make sure I do now is to go out there and be who I've been the last couple of years and just make sure that I give my best performance and I'm sure I'll be in the mix. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to speak too much about the chances. Sure. I get it. No, I, I get, get that. that. I, I
0: get that. Yeah. But what what would you say is your strongest you know, event right now that, because yeah. I know you've, I know you've meddled in, in several different events, but like, what would you say right now is your wheelhouse?
2: Yeah. So when you look at like, so there's a four man team and in team finals, it's three up three count. So you kind of got to look at it that way and you got to, you got to see who's going to put up your best scores on on each event, what which three guys would you have on each event? And sometimes that means like taking out one of the best guys on one event to put in another guy who could do other events.
0: Sure. I get meet. that. Make that makes total sense. Like you, like there might be a guy that's the number one vaulter in the world, right? but the fact is he's kind of like not in the top three or four and all the other ones. And so you kind of have to like do the math and but you know, you yeah, you gotta,
2: you gotta see which combination of guys gives you the best score. And, sure. um, For me, kind of my biggest events, the most important events, is high bar. High bar in the U.S. right now is a pretty weak event. So you got to make sure I hit a good high bar set. And then uh, rings is also another weak event for us. So coming off of an NCAA title, I'm feeling good about rings, and that's a really important event for me.
0: Because you won an NCAA.
2: Yeah, yep, won won the ring title. And then also you kind of got to make sure that – you you got to be ready on every event yeah so high bar rings p bars and floor are kind of my strongest events right now but then i got to make sure that my pommel horse is ready to go if let's say some guy's injured or you know in qualifications it's four up three counts so if i did make that team i would have to compete pommel horse anyway so you got to make sure that all all events that you do are are you know ready to roll and um but there are those heavy hitters like, like high barn rings uh, that are really important for this year, especially in, in forming a, a strong team. And then also uh, parallel bars, which is another one of my strong events that I feel I can contribute a lot to this.
0: Uh, Right. And that's hard because like you, you are so tight with these guys, you the other competitors that are, that are going for, for (laughs) ultimate gold, hopefully, you know, and, and, and it is a team sport as it, as it also is an individual sport. And yet you're competing against one another for these spots and these slots. And it's just, I can't, that, that, that to me is like, oh, those emotions. (laughs) It
2: actually plays a lot into the mentality of going into these meets. And one thing that I've been telling myself is, to not be selfish. And I want what's best for this Olympic team. I want the U S to be on the top of the medal podium. Um, and if that means that I'm not on the team, then so be it. But I, I feel that I can benefit the team and, you know, my mentality going into these next couple meets, I want to just make sure that I'm doing my best gymnastics. And if I'm not the guy that they need, then that's fine. I, I want whatever's best for the team. And I want, the U S to bring home a medal. So if, if I'm pushing the next guy or, you know, pushing the guys in front of me to keep getting better, then that's already a win on my end. So, you know, a- everything else is extra. And I, I I'm very happy with my career up to this point. And I, I still plan to keep going. Yeah. It's
0: happening. You're, you're you're you gotta keep going, man. You gotta
2: keep going. And um, yeah, and- I'm, I'm still, I'm still young. So <laughs> I will see, but but like I said, I just, I want to see the U S medal again. Like I did what sparked my dream in 2008 and, you know, seeing guys like Paul hum, who's an Olympic gold medalist from 2004, like we need more of that. If we want men's gymnastics to, you know, take off again.
0: Right. I mean, wouldn't that be terrific? Like, like you think yeah. about that and then like how remember like the, the last winter games when, when the usa gold medaled in curling and just how just how you know yeah. how awesome that was but how how much also it elevated that sport and and, right. and put it in the sort of the national conscience and i i i totally hear what you're saying about that cuz that that really can make a difference and, and a profound one even yeah 100% yeah. what do you when when there are as many events as you've got going on as a, as a as a men's gymnast like do you try to, and you have to be provisioned and great at each one, right? So and yeah. do you, are you, do you focus on this and this on this day and this and this on this day, or do you try to do them all? Or do you try to like, okay, I really need to ramp up this. So I really need to hone on that. Yeah. Like are the, how do you, how do you balance those percentages? You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. So when you're, when you're leading up to, to a meet, like in the, in the early stages of it, the way you kind of break it up as you do um, three events, one day, three events, the next day, light day in between or light day after that. And then you go through all six on, um, you know, the day after and, um, you know, now it's, it's kind of very all around focused. So like right now we're doing, um, like halves on Monday, so like a, a little bit lighter and then Tuesday is supposed to be like the day before a meet. So super light. And then Wednesday is, is one on six. Uh, As close to a meet as you can get, you're raising your hand, you're getting judged. Oh, wow. And then Thursday, like today is kind of a a come down day and we had a really light day in the gym. And then tomorrow we go back in for another practice competition. And then Saturday is just kind of working out those problem areas, wherever you faltered on the the one on sixes and that kind of stuff. But it is a very, um, you, you can't really focus too much time on a single event and it is very well divided, especially in that training program, I believe. So, um, and you do have specialists, you do have guys like we have a guy right now on the, on the national team, his name is Steven Netorosik and he only does palm horse, but he's one of the best in the world. And, uh, we were just at a national team camp and this guy does like two hours of horse a day and it's very obvious why he's, you know, the best, especially in our, in our country.
0: Um, you are in OTC Colorado Springs Olympic training center, and will you be there for the duration now and, and throughout all these events?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking to try to, uh, invest in some property out here, try to get a house and hopefully reside here for, for the rest of my career. Um, you know, where there's three years until the 2024 Olympics and then, in 2028 which is going to be in the states i'll be pushing 30 but uh but it's kind of hard to it's it's really hard to pass up that opportunity and and not a lot of people have have the chance to compete at a home olympic games so that that's definitely an inspiration for me and I, i see myself going as long as i can
0: And keep the sport going for as long as you can, because goodness knows it needs people like you. Thank you so much, Shane Wiskus. We really appreciate your time. And uh, Minnesota and, and hopefully the entire country will be watching and cheering you on. Thanks so much, man. That'll do it for this episode of Percet Pod. We want to thank our partners, Audio Wiz, Justin Bailey, theme song by Taylor Robert. Keep listening weekly for another episode with Minnesota sports influencers and icons on Percet Pod. Feel free to share this podcast. Give us a simple subscribe click. It doesn't cost you a thing. Heart us, rate us, double tap us, whatever you want. And until next time, remember, shine bright, don't be afraid to be weird, and open your hearts to inclusion. Peace.
1: Perk and Pine, sometimes he's at play. Perk and Pine, find out what he'll say. Perk and Pine, who's coming on today? Ooh. Perk and Pine.